Yes, you're talking absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. As long as I say we can persuade Willie to stay in Ireland, we'll stay in England. TSI, get stuck in. And here's a new people chasing star. It's Gallop Anderson, who gallops to glory in the Gold Cup. That's probably the most ridiculous question. It is, I know, but I had to ask um, you. No, you didn't have to ask me. You're calling out prices. Bookmakers' prices on this channel, right? Yep. You couldn't have two bananas to a banana with the bookmaker. Jumped in like a bag of hammers. The racing is under such scrutiny. Ah, if you don't like racing, go and watch Peppa Pig. Welcome along to the Final Frontline Podcast. I'm Emmys Kennedy. It is great to have your company and great to have the company of one of the busiest people in the racing world. Part of one of the most powerful racing ownerships, a racing dynasty, also manager of an elite racing syndicate and a top-class horse racing presenter in her own right as well. Ella McNeil, welcome to the Final Furlong Podcast. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm uh, yeah, a big Final Furlong fan, so uh, I'm very privileged to be here. I feel very privileged. Thanks, thank you. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's great to have you, and thanks for the kind words as well. Um, you had I'm trying to keep my feet on the ground, and I'm sure you're trying to keep your feet on the ground after a 300-mile round trip today. It wasn't quite 300 miles, but still. Uh, you went to Exeter to go and see one of your horses run. I know you were quite nervous this morning. You weren't nervous at the halfway point, though, because he absolutely bolted up. I'll butcher the pronunciation because that's what we do on the Final Front Podcast. Quebecois! Stunning under yeah. Harry Cobden. Yeah, Quebecois, that's right. Yeah, he. it's not often I watch a race start to finish. Um, I'm always walking around a bit of a box walker. Um, but no, that was a bit of an easy, more of an easy watch than others. Um, yeah, didn't put a foot wrong, couldn't pass better. And yeah, we're thrilled. He would probably be one of the most expensive horses that you've acquired as well. He was a 320 grand buy. Yeah, definitely. For as long as I remember, that's as much money we would um, want to spend on a horse. But we have sold um, pretty much half of him now. So we bought him with that objective. We would never own a horse um, that costs that much outright. It's just not feasible for us as a, a business. So, um, yeah, we sold half well just under half to two fantastic owners i think one of them is the luckiest owner in racing a man i hope he doesn't doesn't mind me mentioning but gary stevens he owns metier who i'm sure you know he owns in the waterside who's a lovely horse with paul and he now he owns quebecois along with a, a few other lovely horses but uh, we need gary to be in all of our horses because he brings the best luck that i've ever seen i was about to say <laughs> don't tell me they're the only three horses he owns a horse that was sent over to france to compete in a group one i think that was harry fry's first ever runner in france and i only know that because i interviewed harry that week in the lead up to it but metier terrific racehorse who's won multiple yeah. elite races please, please don't tell me he's only got those three and they happen to be all potential group one performers if not already grade one winners well no i think he's got a few others but he's not got like a huge team of horses you know he's he's quite like yeah small small in terms of his numbers so uh he's the luckiest man in racing i've, I've told him this time and time again so he needs to have even if it's just a two percent share in every horse that we own to give us all the luck watch out anthony bromley there's a new man in town who's got a good eye for horses yeah. this was though very impressive and he's beautifully bred he's a half brother to the ill-fated brizzini breeze but a horse who won the potato race as we like to call it on the final Fallen podcast hey, all the sponsors yeah. deserve their due Albert Bartlett, for your potato and crisp needs. Do they make crisps, Ella? 
Uh, well, the potatoes make crisps. So. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. you That'll do. It. <laughs> and now we're back to calling it potato race and being complete and utter. We've not, we can't be total corporate sellouts on the Final Four podcast. <laughs> but that was a, a, a very exciting race. Or half brother to him, and the way he's travelled through that race. I just come off Talksport when I was able to to watch it. Literally just covered a race. Nicky Martin had travelled two hundred and seventeen miles for a race worth four grand. Surprise, surprise, the horse went and won. Well done. Uh, so he was having a, a good old trip today as well. You could literally call him the winner at the halfway point. It was just a matter of what was he going to find off the bridle? And it turns out he didn't need to find anything. Yeah, I think the thing that impressed me most was the, the way that he quickened in that ground. I think Paul said to me before the race, oh, the one worry is the ground. You know, it was soft, I think pretty much almost heavy uh, extra. And you all know the rain that we've had has just been unbelievable in the past kind of couple of weeks. And so I think the way he traveled through the race and quickened up <clears throat> under Harry in those conditions was the most impressive part for me. What was the thing that drew you to him? Was it the, the pedigree? Because he'd run a nice race and he's point to point. He'd been second. The third has come out and won since and advertised that form very heavily. But what was the thing that really drew you to him? Well, we have quite a good relationship with Sean Doyle, who's a mom beg, who um, obviously does very well in the point to point scene. And we've been looking at, we will, we buy a lot from Sean, um, like North Lodge, for example, a lot, a lot, like I could reel off a long list, but um, we've done very well kind of buying through him. And he was just one we, we'd had our eye on for a long time. It wasn't kind of, you know, he came into the ring, we looked at the page and we fancied him. We'd kind of been looking at this horse for kind of a year or so beforehand. So we'd always had our eye on him and Sean had always been like keeping us in touch on how he's been progressing. And it was just one that we couldn't really miss, I don't think. So, um, yeah, that's why we, we, we went for that high price tag because we knew if we sold half, it would be worth it. So, um, yeah, it was a nerve wracking one today because as you can imagine when you've, uh, you've paid that much for a horse, you don't want it to uh, be out the back, uh, back of the telly. But uh, no, it worked out. So we were, yeah, a sigh of relief was, was, was taken for sure. I would imagine. What was the prize money? Like six grand? Oh, I don't think it was even that. I think it was like two and a half or something. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I need to check. I need to check. But uh, obviously, we don't even get the, we don't even get a hundred percent of that because it's uh, Jesus yeah. Christ, Ella. It was one thousand nine hundred and six pounds and ten pence. Yeah. Yeah. So um, every little helps. A win's a win. <laughs> every little helps. When you're at the sales, and you know this is the horse you want, but somebody else wants that horse too, and you're into a bidding war, and you're heading up north, you're getting the nosebleed. What is that feeling like? This is the horse you want, but surely there's a cutoff point. Was there any moment where you were bidding where you went, oh, this is too much? Well, it's a funny story, actually. Um, the day that that Cheltenham sale was, was the Thursday, and a horse called Seddon, I'm not sure if you know the story, um, went and hacked up in the uh, in the big handicap there. And we had sold Seddon six John months McConnell. prior to that. Oh, God, John yeah, McConnell. I forgot about that. Sorry. Yeah. So um, our, our, we had a horse running it as well. It's still running. And we see Seddon absolutely romps home. And we've been, well, Dad's owned horses for 20 years now. And we've never had a Cheltenham Festival winner. Oh. And um, uh, Seddon was named after my my uh, my dad's mum. So my grandmother is her maiden name. Her maiden name is Seddon. And um, I think it was my grandma laughing at us all from uh, from heaven oh. saying, ha ha, you sold me. I'm going to come and bite you back. <laughs> oh no. This is why I'm not really comfortable with the whole video thing, but hey, the kids are doing it these days. So we got to just head down the YouTube route. But if you are watching on YouTube, my face just went, what? You're 
Like your yeah. poor a horse named in memory and in memory of your granny or when she was still <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, her maiden name was was Seddon and uh she ran a well her and her husband and my grandfather ran a big company, Seddon Diesel. Um, I think it was her dad's company and it's quite a famous name back in the day. Um they did very well running that that diesel company. And yeah, it was just a name. All, all the boys in the family have Seddon as their middle name. So my oh brother's my Jack Seddon McNeil, my dad's Matt Seddon McNeil. So it's like a huge heritage, family heritage name. And we we couldn't get it to win at Cartmel. We couldn't get it to win like any any race course. We couldn't get this horse to win. Um, and so we thought, you know what? It's it's time to cut our losses. It's time to say goodbye to Grandma. And we sold him and. Then he goes and wins the Dublin the Dublin Racing Festival. He wins the Cheltenham Festival. He comes third in American Grand National. And I think it's just my grandma laughing down at us saying, you silly sods. <laughs> Didn't he run well at Punchestown as well? Oh, that's just only goes to be digging it in there. Yeah, Punchestown, Punchestown as well. I forgot that one as well. Yeah. So, well, back to the point. Sorry. Very. Well, I'm sure Galaxy time. Horse Racing are listening to this and they're going, thanks a bunch, Ella. Cheers. <laughs> and we'll take another cast <laughs> off as well. Nice. But yeah, that sale was on the day that that happened. So the blood was kind of, you know, boiling a little bit. And I think maybe if that hadn't happened on that day, then maybe we wouldn't have pushed to that prize because we had a fair old cap and it was a while while after that. So, well, sorry, a while before that. So um, I think that kind of maybe made us a bit more aggressive in our bidding strategy. <laughs> and hopefully it's worked out because uh, Quebec looks to be like a nice one. He does. Um, it's a long way from Exeter to the Cheltenham Festival, but still, it's it's the hope. And the whole thing about horse racing is the most valuable commodity is um, is hope. The most valuable commodity is potential, and he has the world of potential. He looks an absolute world beater. So I presume it's all systems go for the Cheltenham champion bumper straight to Cheltenham, and he bolts up and crushes all of Willie's opposition. <laughs> I mean, we'll see about that. I think... Well, obviously when I'm in a bumper before then and then after Christmas, kind of, I think we were speaking of either Sandown, the, the same bumper that in the Waterside one uh, this year, well, in February, or there's a nice one at Newbury, I think. And then we'll kind of assess where we go from there. I think obviously the champion bumper would, would be great, but, you know, it's not all about his bumper career. He's got hopefully a long and bright future ahead. And if we, you know decide to put him away until this novice hurdle season. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against that, but uh, yeah, you never know. I just, I get a bit worried about running these young horses in the champion bumper. Cause I feel like it's such a tough, you have to be a really tough and I think well experienced horse to do well, to win that or to come out of it and bounce back from it. If that makes sense. So I just would want to make sure we're fully 100% sure to go to that. If we were lucky enough to, before we kind of jumped feet first in. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Look, we, we all want to try and work out and figure out who's going to be going to the Cheltenham Festival. And as we were talking about this off air beforehand, there's obviously a, a major, it's just a little bit of a thing that looms over the national hunt season and how it's all going to pan out. But this is a horse that's going to be, it's the old cliche, but he will be better over hurdles and he's probably going to be much better as a chaser as well. That's really where his long-term future is. So you have to do what you think is best for him long-term. Yeah, exactly. So we'll uh, take a view, but you never know, maybe. <laughs> get stuck in to the champion bumper yeah. right now. Um, speaking of Cheltenham Thunder Rock is going to be running this weekend in the Virgin Bet December Gold Cup Handicap Chase he is favourite and a well-backed favourite as well he's got pretty okay form 
He finished third to some horse called Jerry Kalam. Don't know what he's done since. Uh, then he was second in a grade two at air to a horse called That's All Right, Gino. Might be one for the tracker, that fella. Uh, and he beat Mahler Mission in the Colin Parker Memorial Intermediate Chase. So that's insanely good form. Uh, how's his preparation been going? Yeah, really well. Um, I'm actually at Ollie's tomorrow morning. So um, I I asked you this time yesterday, <laughs> tomorrow, I could have let you know. But I think he's Ollie's. I, I listened to Ollie actually this morning on next. Uh, podcast and he said he was in flying form I spoke to Ollie the other day and he couldn't couldn't be happy with her with happier with him his uh yeah preparation has gone really well he bounced back from the uh the Colin Parker a couple of well what, four or five weeks ago now so um yeah we go there with hope and excitement yeah I would imagine so um I mean that form is just insane you're up against you've you finished third to the horse that might very well win the King George although Willie Mullins dropped a bombshell of his own in response to the British Horse Racing Authority's attempts to possibly, it'll never happen, by the way, Ella, that will never be implemented. And if it is, they'll get destroyed for trying it. But I digress. You know, we're having fun here. We don't want to go down the route of um, negativity. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I did love the quote from Eddie O'Leary. They're running out of sh- they're running out of feet to shoot themselves in. Um, but Jerry Colon may very well win the King George. Although Willie Mullins might have something to say with that with Alaho. Who knows, Paul Nichols would probably have something to say about that with the defending champion Brave Man's Game as well. But that's a huge run against Jerry Kalam. It's a massive run against That's All Right Gino, who might very well be a Gold Cup horse. And you've beaten Mahler Mission fair and square. Admittedly, he would be better over further. But that's that's insanely good form, hence his price. Yeah, his form obviously stacks up so well. And we when we saw the uh, results of the Coral Gold Cup, we couldn't be happier really with the front two. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's, there's no excuses really for, um, for Saturday. Everything's in his favor. I think he's had a lovely prep run. If he gets into an early rhythm, I think the only thing that he does kind of struggle with is if sometimes he doesn't get into a nice natural rhythm, he can make a few mistakes with his jumping. So you just hope that he gets into a nice steady, steady rhythm and Sean can bowl away on him. And I think we, we might ride him a bit more positively this time. Um, I think he doesn't quite get three miles, but I think he definitely, you know, if he's ridden a bit more positively over two and a half, I think that's his ideal. Yeah. I was going to say that I'm sure at some point you might want to step him up to three miles again, but for now, this seems to be his ideal trip. He loves the ground. He loves left-handed undulating tracks. There's a lot in his favor. Yeah. Yeah, and he's run at Cheltenham before and it's round well. So yeah, it's it's well, it's in the name, but it really is his gold cup on 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 Saturday. Um, you know, this has been his kind of half season target for a long time. So yeah, fingers crossed it all works out. I mean, I read a statistic the other day on I should really not read these articles in the Racing Post because it says something like the last seven or eight favourites haven't won the race. So I'm like, oh bloody hell, really? <laughs> Yeah, but they don't know their favourite. It's not like Thunder Rock is reading the newspaper this in the morning, going through the Racing Post app and going, wait, what? Oh, I'll just throw in the towel now. Yeah. Uh, Paul Nichols today was, I was just saying, sorry, was very bullish about Mon Morale. So, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I thought we could uh, maybe step that one aside, but no. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, sk- don't skip this. Don't skip this. So he's got two, Il Rodotto and Mon Morale. Is he talking the talk again with Mon Morale? Yeah, he was talking the talk earlier anyway. He was, uh, yeah, he was having none of it, but Thunder Rock was uh, better than him. But uh, yeah, he's had a wind up, so you never know. And obviously Harry's on board, so that obviously uh, changed things slightly. 
but I think we'll beat Monreal. We beat him before. I think we'll beat him. Well, I'll say that and we'll go and hack up for 10 minutes. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, th- I think this is all about Ollie Murphy. Uh, and the McNeil family, and Mr. Dale, of course. We can't leave Ian Dale out of this. Um, but no, I, I'd be very confident this is a, a Sean Bowen victory. Although Harry is riding unbelievably well. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Is, yeah. And it is he Paul is, Nichols, to be fair. But that's the only reason Monmoral is the price he is. Um, no, I, I think this is a, a McNeil family. Why do you think I got you on today, before this race? It's because this is going to be a glorious debut Thunder Rock goes and wins. There's going to be a number of other McNeil family horses who win over the weekend. And then listeners are going to be flooding back to the final forum. When's Ella coming on the show again? When's Ella coming on the show? Or if it goes horribly wrong, you'll just be blocking people left, right and centre on the tweet machine with the abuse. Yeah. I'll just stay quiet after that. <laughs> yeah, no, big, it's a big weekend. And I, I, I hope you're right, Emma. I hope you're right. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's difficult with weekends like this because we wouldn't normally shoot two big shots like we've got three under as well and Thunder on the same day. We wouldn't, we'd normally kind of stay away from doing that because it can either be a fantastic day or a day full of disappointment. So, so um, I hope you're right about Thunder. Let's uh, yeah, keep fingers crossed. Are you on duty for Race Day TV or are you going to be there in your capacity as an owner? No, I'm not working on the weekend, so I've got a Saturday off, so I will be there enjoying myself for sure. Well, alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Drink responsibly, everybody. I think we're <laughs> supposed to say that. But, you know, if it doesn't go particularly well, you've got that to fall back on anyway. Um, I think you've got a great chance. If somebody could clip up Ella really giving it the big guns about it, we're going to crush Paul Nichols and show him. And if it comes off, brilliant. <laughs> and if it doesn't come off, play some sad music as... Mon Morale yeah. scoots to victory. And a violin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mentioned 300 through five. So he's having his second run after a wind up. Paul Nichols does love his wind ups. Uh, in the three mile, mm-hmm. two furlong handicap chase at Cheltenham. He's raced seven times in November, December. He's won four, placed twice. Uh, and the time he didn't was in the Hennessy. So we can forgive him that. Uh, he loves soft ground. Stamina is no problem. Easy game. Don't complicate your mind. Absolute steering job for Harry Cobden. Yeah, <laughs> if only it was that easy. <laughs> um, yeah, he, as you said, had a wind up, and everyone keeps telling me the second time, second run after a wind up is the best. So I'm holding on to that. And he ran a lovely race in the Badge Beer earlier last month, and just got basically could have done with a run before that, before the Badge Beer. Just got tired, um, but. He's, yeah, fresh and well. We, we were going to go, we were thinking about going to the Coral Gold Cup, but I'm so glad we decided to wait, well, for two or three, well, two weeks later because he just, he took a few bumps and, and knocks on in the Badger Beer and just could have done with that kind of extra couple of weeks. And so this race at Cheltenham came up and we, we hadn't, to be honest, we hadn't actually been thinking about it. We've been thinking about the race at Ascot next weekend um, on Saturday. The I think it's 100 grand Howden uh, handicap there and this Cheltenham race never really came into our radar and Paul just kind of floated the idea and we had a look at the race and the conditions and it's three mile two and the Ascot rate's two mile seven and I think three under is just kind of progressing towards an out and out stay I love those longer trips and I think three mile two over soft ground at Cheltenham will suit him down to a tee um, and so yeah we decided to go here rather than Ascot. Plus, Adrian's a fantastic jockey, but Harry Cobden, as I was saying, is just mustard. And given how he's riding, the fact that he's going to be on board as well, and that he is Paul's number one in the race, a lot to like. 
Yeah, I agree. And I agree. Harry's riding absolutely out for skin at the moment. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully he'll do the same on three under on Saturday. What do you make of Protectorate going here? Out of the King George, out of the Savills, let's go for a handicap chase, says Dan Skelton. Yeah, I mean, he's got a carry stack of weight and I think he does run. And if he does run, we I think we're 10 stone 13, I think, and he's 12 stone. I think if that's right, I'm correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, no spot on. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I guess you're at that tricky point where you're, are you graded level or can you compete at the top level in handicaps? And I think maybe that's just where they're going to try now and see if they can try their luck at the, these kind of top top level handicaps and see how they fare. He'll get his ground. I'll say that for him. But I, I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to William Kennedy about him uh, on Friday morning. But I, I, I don't see it personally. Um, but it, it's fascinating. They're going to put him in there. Uh, and Broadway Boys yeah. are really interesting joint favorite with you. But he's not getting that much weight from you. And while he was yeah. really impressive against the stablemate, we've all been caught the other day. Um, and Flooring Porter, I think, is a, a really interesting recruit to chasing. Just think he lacks a little bit of experience. As much as I like Broadway Boy, he just doesn't have the battle hardness, the toughness and the experience that 300 through five has. I think he's got a major chance here, Ella. Yeah, I think I quite like that Melina girl as well. I saw um, for Gavin Cromwell, I saw it win in the last meeting. I don't know if it will run, but I saw I saw it in the last meeting in November and it was uh, very impressive um, on three miles three and soft ground. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that she, uh, he's a danger. I want to say she's a danger, but it's no, it's, a, it's not a filly. <laughs> well, you don't know what um, she identifies well, no, as. Yeah, it's, it's a mare. It yeah. is a mare. But maybe she thinks, maybe she acts like a gelding. <laughs> maybe she acts like a filly. Maybe she acts like a, a colt. Who knows? And this- when I said that, I said that this is coming out my mouth and it's not right. <laughs> so the Lena girl is the one I think, she, she looks nice. <laughs> She does. That's the way to put it. She looks nice. That'll that'll cover that. Uh, you mentioned in the waterside. Look, that's a horse we were all very excited about after his two bumper wins and a really impressive hurdling debut at Aintree when he did an awful lot wrong. He was very, very keen, a little bit too keen, uh, to be honest. That might have come against him, against Nicky Henderson's horse, who hadn't run since 19 dickety do. Not that far back, but still, he was running when Constitution Hill was a novice. Um, and that was a remarkable training performance from Nicky Henderson to get him back. Although Willie Mullins saw that and said, oh, you think that's impressive? I'll take a novice hurdler who hasn't run since the yeah. pandemic. I'll show you. Um, I saw that. That's insane. I, I did love that tweet from Sam. Literally hasn't run since before the pandemic and comes out and wins after a thousand days. R- ridiculous stuff. Um, I, I, I covered that race on TalkSport too. He just didn't. He settled better than he had done in his hurdling debut, but it can't possibly have been his true running. It was just the wrong race for him. Um, And I I think in hindsight, we probably shouldn't have run over two miles on kind of good ground. I think it was good to soft. Um, You know, he's an out and out three mile chaser in the making. And I think we just, yeah, unfortunately ran him in the wrong race. And I, you know, he, I looked again at the race and it was only, it was only five lengths, I think uh, behind Jody the Great of Nicky's and, and he didn't disgrace himself, but I just think, with horses like him, we really have to mind him. I, I think there's no rush whatsoever with him. Anything kind of extra he does in his bumper and not, and his hurdling career um, is just leading towards him going chasing. And I think you can t- kind of get overexcited with, you know, he's unbeaten three times and you can get a bit overexcited. I think 
you just have to have patience with these horses sometimes and probably yeah we just chose the wrong race for him and it's just one of those things to draw a line under it and we'll we'll go again in the new year find find a nice race for him and I think he's been giving him given a mark of 120 which is an absolute gift so we will be uh taking the most take use taking the most of that so we're making the most of that in uh in the new year for sure the BHA gave him a mark of 120 yeah well that's yeah pretty sure 120 that's- yeah that's punish them, punish them yeah. and crush any bookmaker who goes too big a price about you. When you know, some of those bookmakers will price up at like half past three, bang, um, smash them. He is very exciting. That That's a really important point to make as well, though. It was good ground and he was dropping back in trip. It's a significant drop in trip from two mile four to two miles. He is bred for, for stamina. He clearly has an awful lot of class. Um, physically, though, he came out of the race okay. Yeah, fine. Bouncing. He's and he's huge. He's like almost 18 hands. He's an absolute monster. And, you know, with these big horses running on good ground, sometimes I think he had slight sore shins. That's a tongue twister. Um, he had slight yeah, sore shins after the race. So Paul just said that's just a sign that he just needs better, uh, a deeper ground. So I think with these horses, it's all about learning about them, isn't it? You know what they like, you know what they don't like. And you can't you don't know that until you try. And so, um, yeah, we know for next time and we'll, we'll pick the perfect race for him the next time out. Katie, George and I were talking about the old fashioned ch- chasing types like him, the horses who are giants and how they can be, they look magnificent. Mm. They look like superstars. The guy who bought uh, Kia Jabrakin's King of Steel was saying that at that breeze up sales in America, he had been nicknamed the police horse. And he was fascinated yeah. by him and really, but nobody wanted to buy it. Somebody did because they paid 200 grand for him. But so someone was bidding against them. But it's it's almost an affront. It's it's almost an insult now that that type of racehorse isn't as fashionable as they once were. And part of the reason mm-hmm. is big horses are quite hard on themselves and they're more susceptible to injury. But he, he might very well be, but he does, just looks more put together. He looks a stronger type. Yeah. And for all that that didn't go to plan, he does look like a horse who will take his racing well. Yeah, I mean, Touchwood, uh, so far, he's been completely sound and never had any issues just coming out of his races. He's all, he always bounces back very well. Um, you know, we have a horse that's similar to him in, in size called Thames Water, and he's the complete opposite to uh, in the water side. Very fragile, has really, like, well, problems with his legs. Very difficult to keep sound. And just the opposite in the water side. They're probably you know, similar in stature. But in the water side, yeah, it's just, as you say, a bit more put together. Um, he's not so hard on himself on races. And I think, yeah, he can take his racing a bit more. But we will be careful on what ground we run him in in the future just because he is so big. You know, at Paul's yard, how he looks at his kitchen window and sees Cotto Star's old box. And they're at the main boxes. Is in the yeah. water side near that area of horses? Yeah, well, in the water side, in Corto Star's box, so uh, that's no pressure there. <laughs> I had a feeling he was. I had a sneaky feeling yeah. he was. That's a box that Paul Nichols reserves for his very, very best. That's a special box, obviously. That's his favourite racehorse of all time. Well, he's neighbours with Brave Man's Game, and uh, I went down the other day, and there's a little grate in the, in between, the wall between uh, the stables, and, you know, you see him 
talking a few few times and telling me, it's so funny, I was saying to my dad, I was like, oh, do you think Brave Man Game goes, oh, bloody hell, that was a tough race yesterday. I'm really tired now. And in the water size case, they run me over two miles. What do you think they're doing? <laughs> I was like, do you think they talk to each other? But do you think they talk to each other in the great? <laughs> this is the crazy, crazy things that our sodas have to have to uh, think about. Well, we could play that out. It could literally be in the water set saying, you all right, mate? No, I'm not. They ran me in the Betfair chase. What the hell were they thinking? He told, he told me yeah. I was going straight to the King George and he ran me in the Betfair chase. It's madness. Uh, how did uh, how did Brave Man's Game look to you? Now that we can get the inside track that you've been there, that you're literally, your horse is right beside Brave Man's Game. How, how is the defending champion in the King George looking? Yeah, well, I went down on the Monday after he'd run in that race and I had a couple of owners that own in the waterside coming down uh, to see Paul's yard. And um, so we obviously had a look at Brave Man's Gamers uh, on that Monday, just two days after he'd run in, in that race. And yeah, he's he did look a bit sorry for himself, to say the least. He He's normally, you know, quite, well, I don't know him that well because I've, I've only been to Paul's a couple of times, but normally he's got his head out of the door and, you know, very friendly and wants to have a hug and a and a, and a nice stroke. But he, he was feeling a bit sorry for himself. I think he had a hard race that day. And uh, yeah, I will be watching with interest as how he comes back in the King George. See, in a way, I'm fascinated to hear that, by the way. But in another way, you don't want to hear that a horse you're now criticizing and saying, hey, Ella, I think this horse could be done. I think Brave Man's game is a has-been and Ella is going to crush him. And then hear that he's just like subdued and feeling sorry for himself. Like that's not what you want to hear. But very exciting. Yeah, but if anyone, if anyone can get him back, it's it's Paul. So I'm uh, not in too much doubt. He's won more King Georges than any other trainer, and he does have a habit of being able to work out. I'm kind of starting to wonder: Is Pictori going to turn up in that race? Because he was mysteriously absent from the Peterborough Chase that then ended up being cancelled. Yeah. Yeah, and it could it could fall apart this King George. You know, if a few of the big ones don't turn up, then you know it could be quite open. Yeah, it, well, it's funny. Nick's got all the exclusives this week. He gets Gordon on, who says basically confirms King George because who wants to take on faster, slow in the Savills when you can take on a possibly on decline? He's definitely on decline. Brave man's game, and then oh, Willie Mullins, <laughs> poor old brave man's game, and then along comes Willie Mullins and says. Yeah, so remember how I said we were going to go for the Kinloch Bray? Yeah, scratch all that. We're going to go for last year's plan. He's heading to the King George with Alaho. Brilliant. This is exciting. As long as those two actually do turn up and don't decide quieter time in Ireland, then, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating race if they all show up. And, of course, there's the old boy Shishkin who's done his nut. Yeah. Well, uh, if you, if they all turn up, it'd be a cracking race. So, uh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Very much so. Uh, you mentioned Thames Water. So he's by Flemsford out of a King's Theatre mare, full brother to Henry de Bromhead's grade three winner, Manila Melody. We haven't seen him since that race at Ascot, uh, a bumper in November of last year, but that race has produced plenty of winners. You were just mentioning his size. He looks like a really imposing individual. He would be in the exciting pot, but what what kind of a setback did he have or has there been a specific reason why we haven't seen him since November last year? Yes, yeah, so we had a setback after that race, um, his his one and only race, and came back from it. When was it? 
two or three months ago. We're really pleased with him. We send a lot of our horses to Jamie McGee, who is fantastic at, you know, having the horses not only in the summer, but rehabbing any horses that have injuries. He has amazing facilities at his yard. So he did a fantastic job with Thames and getting him back. And unfortunately, he had another setback kind of two, a month after being in training um in november kind of late october november time so now we won't see him until next season now probably Ooh. so um yeah it's just it's horses like that as yeah very very fragile and you just have to mind them and we have to be very patient and uh yeah we'll we'll hopefully he'll make a full recovery and he'll um show us the sparkle that he showed in uh last year that's a real heartbreaker when you're involved in a horse who's clearly very exciting, clearly has an awful lot of talent, but those injuries just creep in. Yeah, I think we had such a bad season last season for it. We literally, every kind of couple of weeks, we were getting calls about horses being injured. And honestly, I think it was one of the worst seasons we've had for injury last year. And so this year, we kind of started afresh and we were like, please, can we just have a... Because it honestly, to get a horse... To buy a horse, to keep it sound and to get it run consistently is so tough because you don't get to hear about all these horses that people buy. They don't work out. They have setbacks after setbacks. And I think to get a horse to a racetrack and to have, you know, a favourite in December Gold Cup is just like so difficult. <laughs> and so we're used to it now. We've, we're long in the tooth. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame. It's part of the game and you just have to, um, yeah, be tough about it and move on but it is a shame when especially horses you think the world of don't quite get there or don't make it or um, have setbacks so but yeah it's just part of the game unfortunately yeah i interviewed richard Pugh a few weeks ago and for those who don't know richard is a, a brilliant commentator in ireland for rte but also he's very heavily involved in uh, the sales mm -hmm. industry as well and, and uh, mastermind behind point to point.ie uh, and he mentioned a gordon elliott horse whose name I now can't think of. And he was amazed that I didn't know who the horse was. And I went back through notes and I did. Back in 2018, I'd been told, oh, this horse is meant to be an absolute, the next Pegasus. Um, injury right. after injury after injury. I believe he's still with Gordon, but he's nine years of age, never ran. And if you talk yeah. to people who were there the day he won that point to point, they'll tell you that was going to be a superstar. It's just, that's the way it goes, unfortunately, sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So when you get one that can stay sound and can take its racing... That's all you could ask for. That's why people celebrate big wins. Yeah. I, we, uh, we don't, we're not shy over yeah, here. I, I did see like Megan Nichols getting a little bit of abuse for ITV daring to put the camera on someone being happy that their horse won. Jesus Christ, lads. This can be a depressing time, in, in the, particularly what's going on in the racing industry now. Let people enjoy their successes, particularly given the brutal stuff that goes on behind the scenes to get horses there in the first place. Um, it's a, it's a sport that can, that can break your mind at times. So if you're able to enjoy a success, let people enjoy that success. It's not a bad thing that someone's celebrating. Yeah, for sure. I think people get so bogged down, don't they sometimes? And, you know, a win's a win and it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. If you've had a winner, then you're allowed to celebrate it. And we are advocates of celebrating large and loud. And uh, we, uh, yeah, we, no, we love it. And I think no, no one should be put down for celebrating a win, that's for sure. I'm going to be celebrating like an absolute lunatic when 300 through five and Thunder Rock land a massive each way scumbag account closer double at the weekend. And I'm only backing those horses. I've got no involvement in the ownership. And you'll still hear me celebrating from Kilkenny. Um, well, 
Double has definitely got to be on the card, surely. Oh, come on, <laughs> come on. Uh, right, uh, Masaccio, Masaccio, I'm uh, making a complete horlicks of this pronunciation, uh, beat a subsequent winner at Chepstow and went really close to making it two from two over hurdles not so long ago. He's a, he's a master craftsman. Um, what's the latest with him? Yeah, he's a horse we think the world of. Um, he had a couple of setbacks as well, so he had a long period off the track. Um, but ever since then, he's come come back bigger and stronger, and yeah, ran a really fantastic race. Um, well, obviously at Chepstow he won that race, and that form of that race has worked out very well. Um, he beat that horse. Is it beat the beat the bat? Beat the bat, I think it's called. Um, of Harry Fry's, that's gone on and won again, and so the form has stacked up really well. And he beat the best novice hurdler in training. Sorry to cut across you. Welcome to Cartes. I'm sticking by this one. This is the best novice hurdler in training, and he somehow managed to beat him the other day. Ignore that. He still wins the Ballymore. Welcome to Cartes. Proceed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did see that, actually. But um, so, yeah, obviously ran that really lovely race at Chepstow and then um, just uh, pipped on the line by Jinko Blue of Henderson. So we were thrilled with that. I mean, a shame. We were actually giving him six pounds as well. Um, so... Yeah, another basically a, another fantastic run, and I think all roads lead to the shallow now. It's just we we couldn't really we couldn't turn our eye to it. We weren't thinking about it to be honest at the start of the summer when we were thinking about the plans for the horses, but just the way those two runs have worked out and how tough he seems and how well he takes his racing and how much he seems to love Newbury, um, I think it's a no brainer really. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. The ground is almost certainly going to be testing. I mean, it is a couple of weeks away, but. Good to yeah, soft, I think, is what he's run on the last twice. You wouldn't have any concerns about that? Yeah, I guess that's the only slight concern. I wouldn't want, I, you wouldn't want to run him on, you know, absolute bottomless ground. And I know that race can sometimes turn up like that. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think he's pretty hardy and I think he'll go on soft ground, even soft, heavy in places. But, you know, if it's absolutely bottomless, I, I, I wouldn't want to be running him and, and ruining his season for the future of his season. So um, we'll see how it goes. And But, you know... Soft, heavy in places, would I take. Given the fact that you've got horses with Gordon, has he intimated a couple of the horses that he's... Because he is planning on coming over. I'm just not entirely certain which ones he's going to send. So if you've been trying to inceptionize an idea... No, don't come, Gordon. No, you don't want to. That's going to be horrible ground, Gordon. We're not going at all. Oh. Don't, don't go. <laughs> I know. I haven't actually spoken to him about the challenge explicitly. But, um, but no, I'll be on the phone to him now when... Uh, couple of weeks before the, when is it? Yeah, it's a couple of weeks now. So I'll, I'll be uh, making sure he doesn't send a large lorry load over. <laughs> yeah, plan. Well, <laughs> he's probably, any <laughs> he's probably going to do that out of spite now. He's just going to carpet bomb all the major premier handicaps. He's barely had a runner in a handicap, at least the premier ones in the UK. And in response to the BHA, he's probably just going to go, yeah, that's 14 that I ran in the Troy town. Send them all. Every single one of them go head over to the UK. Um, yeah. Speaking of bottomless ground, Autonomous Cloud in the Welsh Grand National. How is his yes, preparation going and how are you yeah. feeling about the big race? Yeah, his preparation couldn't have gone any better, really. He had a lovely summer. He's a big horse again and was so consistent, was actually our highest earning horse last season. And he was super consistent, never really came out of the frame, knocked, knocked on the doors of some really nice races. And we'd always thought he'd be, if not you know, a grand national horse than something like a Welsh national horse. Um, and this has been his target probably for a year or so now. Um, Paddy Brennan does a lot of work with him, obviously at Fergal's, had him over the summer. We have also some of our horses over the summer with Paddy. And 
Paddy just said that he kind of took another step forward in the summer, um, came a bit more of a man and kind of filled out into his larger frame. And yeah, we, we go there with a really good chance. I think his prep run at Utoxeter four, three, four weeks ago now couldn't have gone better. He didn't have a hard race and that, that was the most important thing. Paddy just wanted to make sure we minded him and, you know, he didn't get absolutely um, hammered in that race and he didn't. So he had a nice, a nice easy race and didn't get too pushed. So I think we go there with a lovely chance. Um, and yeah, one, another one we're really looking forward to running. He's 16 to 1. Is he? He was twelve the last time I checked. Well, drifting. <laughs> there's um, there's a bookmaker that I somehow can still get bets on, probably because I'm a donkey, uh, and they're more than happy to take all my money. Um, but yeah, there is a bookmaker going sixteens. Most of them are going twelves and fourteens, but sixteens is available. He's gonna be. He's gonna get in off a fairly low weight as well. Yeah, he'll be well in. So. Um, yeah, he's not going to be one of the, he's not too high in the weights. He's not overly highly rated. And I'm just looking now, there's horses that will be carrying a lot more weight than we will. So uh, I think he's got a really lovely chance, especially at 16s. I think that would be a really lovely price to get him at. Yeah, there's some there's some interesting horses towards the top of the weights. Like Shambard was really good the other day, but that was a grueling race on brutal ground. And... You'd need to come yeah. out of that fairly fresh to be able to go and, and line up here. I'm not so sure I'd be in love with that. Um, you've got Iron Bridge covered already. There was a dose of seconditis there for a little bit, and maybe that's still in some people's heads that they're not entirely sure about what he finds in the finish, but he found plenty against him, and he was really good at Utoxter the other day. Yeah, he did have a dose of seconditis. So that's a good way to put it. But yeah, his last three, last two runs he's won, he loves Utoxter, he loves those sorts of tracks. So um, this is, as I said, this has been his target for a long time. I think he'll um, take another step forward from that prep run um, the end of last month. So yeah, I think he should, he should be probably a better price than 16s, but if you can get 16s, I'd take it. <laughs> don't, don't give away the game too much. Ella. You're not really sure. Maybe he won't run in fact. Oh yeah. There's uh, there's other alternatives. That's it. Try, try and really ramp this price up. You know, bookies, you should be going 33s at least. Hammer them. Punish those bookmakers who are <laughs> drifting that horse out. Get it, get it while you can. Yeah, okay. absolutely. That will pay for the New Year's celebrations. Um, I'm a big fan of Venetia Williams' horse, Jello, And I thought oh, yes. Persian time shaped really nicely behind him um, on his seasonal and chasing debut the other day. He looked to be traveling better than him coming down to around about the second last and then just faded out of a little bit. He's a five-year-old by Caliphate with Nicky Henderson and he's going to win races. Yeah, another horse um, we, yeah, we think very highly of. He had a nice season last season, um, but chasing has always, I think, been his, uh, his end game. And I think he just got slightly outpaced. It was over two miles, wasn't it, the last race? Yeah, two miles. And I think he just got slightly outpaced. I think two and a half will be his, will be his ideal ideal trip so that's what we run him over next time um but he well he had a few little jumping errors but other than that he jumped pretty well on the whole and i think he warmed up as the race went on um and i think he's one yeah to look forward to this season for sure yeah very much so that was a really really nice performance uh pleasington 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 well-bred gelding by shantu Seemed to get stuck in the mud when Sean Bone asked him to pick up on his debut. He was sent off a really well-backed favourite for Ollie Murphy, but just the wheels never spun. 
yeah, he actually came back lame after that day. Um, he didn't enjoy the ground whatsoever. And, but also a horse Ollie thinks very highly of. So we were, well, probably, it was probably one of the most disappointing runs of the season so far that we'd had. It's a horse that we hold in high regard. And so to run like that, we were, we were disappointed, but, um, to see that he came out lame the next day kind of gave us a reason as to why he ran so badly. Well, he didn't run terribly, but he ran quite yeah, disappointingly. So we kind of draw a line. Um, he's recovered from that now. He only had three or four days off work. So um, yeah, we'll find another nice bumper for him in the new year, I'm sure. And then probably go straight novice hurdling. I'm not sure. I think we'll probably, we'll have to decide if we go for one more bumper or we go novice hurdling, but I think he's definitely a horse for the future for sure. There was a reason I asked you about that horse. And that's exactly (laughs) it. That's really good information to know going forward. Um, And when you do get the feedback that a horse is lame, you're obviously disappointed, but there must be an element of relief because at least, you know, thank God he, he's not a dot. Yeah, for sure. And he's a horse we've had for a long time and he actually um, had quite, well, not he had a superficial superficial setback, so he basically cut into himself um, last kind of winter, and that took such a long. It was a very deep cut. He he cut he kind of cut into himself, and that took kind of six seven months to heal. And so you wait, you're very patient with these horses, and you give them time. And it probably was the best thing that happened to that horse because it means he's really had time to grow and fill out into his frame. But you know, when you wait so patiently and you give these horses all the time that they need and they come out and you expect them to win and they, they come a disappointing fifth, it's, uh, yeah, sometimes a hard pill to swallow. But, yeah, you're right. You're not, obviously, as long as the horse is fine and it was only, you know, three or four days off work, you are relieved that there was something um, that you can pinpoint for the reason as to why he ran badly but he's still got to prove himself you know there's still question marks and the next day we hope he will show plenty more than he did that day speaking of horses who can be a little bit frustrating and are on the comeback trail north lodge he'd been off the track for a year and a half nearly two years uh that was a really nice run at newbury behind get a tonic uh, a brilliant winner from the skeleton team but i thought north lodge shaped really really well and he had some lovely novice from novice form from back in uh, 2022 back in the day i'm almost saying i know it does feel like a lifetime ago but little fun fact i'm actually sitting in north lodge right now so uh <laughs> that's what he's named after this lovely lodge here so um it's a horse again that we were just so proud of the way he ran at Newbury a couple of weeks ago to come back like that. I, I honestly thought that when he turned for home that he was going to be, you know, 40 lengths behind the winner, but he battled on so hard and that just shows the tenacious attitude that he has. And I think if all horses had that horse's brain and that attitude and willing to run and want to want to do well for you, then all horses, they'd be flying. So, um, yeah, I think there's so much to... To come from that horse and something I heard from Nikki Henderson once actually was that if a horse has a long setback and you um, then run him he runs well and then you obviously want to run him again you should always leave a bigger gap than you normally would between the run his comeback run and his second run just because it takes them a longer time for them to recover from that run obviously he had a, such a long layoff you don't want to then push them again too soon 
So we're going to give this horse all the time in the world, you know, maybe wait a couple of months until we see him again, um, just because we don't want to, you know, push him too soon. And he probably didn't have the easiest race at Newbury there. He he did get pushed in that kind of final furlong or two. So um, I think we will, yeah, wait a couple of months, see how he is in the new year, find a race for him. I think we will go EBF route with him. That was kind of the the uh, loose plan but yeah in no rush whatsoever with him and horse for the future again that is the best explanation of the bounce factor i've ever heard <laughs> that's what that's what i'll take from it anyway <laughs> the mythical bounce factor why does it affect some horses now we know why don't run them back too quickly after a long layoff he's a very very exciting horse and hopefully he'll come good can i give you a piece of advice yes so you sold Seddon, despite the fact that that horse had an emotional name. North Lodge has an emotional name. For God's sakes, don't sell that horse. You'll definitely win at Cheltenham if you do. Don't you worry. He's going nowhere. <laughs> uh, insanity. By Nathaniel was rated 84 on the flat. Just looked to be in need of the experience on his juvenile hurdle debut at Market Raisin last week. Yeah, to be honest, we're pretty disappointed with that run. Um, all the horses have pretty much all, all got a story to tell with their runs this season and none have been that disappointing. But Insanity and Pleasanton were probably the two most disappointing runs that we've had this season. Um, Insanity is a horse that we thought would go and win that race fairly easily. But looking back, I we probably shouldn't have run him in that ground. Um, you know, flatbread horse on that. It was really quite bottomless, I think, that day. And I think we probably just need to draw a line under that don't get too disheartened and I'm, I, I know he has plenty of ability as you said he's got some fantastic flat form um, so yeah we'll find another juvenile hurdle for him in the new year Speaking of juvenile hurdlers uh, Theore Theore I'm Irish you'd think I'd be able to pronounce it particularly seeing as you acquired this horse from my neighbour Jim Bulger I say neighbour uh, yeah. about 15 minutes away from me if I drive super fast. Um, rated 81 in Ireland by Tiafilio out of a vocalised mare. That is a vintage Jim Bulger pedigree. What drew you to this horse? Um, well, we do, as I said earlier, we do a lot of work with Paddy Breddon. So um, he has our horses in the summer. He obviously works for Fergal and is a fantastic jockey and also a friend of ours. And he, he put this horse to us, basically. He said he's... Uh, one he really liked, he sat on him and he, um, yeah, gave him a good feel and liked his pedigree and obviously his um, his form stacks up quite nicely and I think he'll make a lovely juvenile hurdler. So he possibly goes um, on Saturday at Doncaster. However, I have got another horse in the race um, called Whispering Royal for Chelsea Thoroughbreds. So I'm trying, I'm having a little battle with uh, my dad and Paddy to try and <laughs> separate the two, but I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. Well, what would be hysterical is if you managed to make a phone call to Paddy and persuade him to ride your horse and not the after he went to all that effort to tell you, here's a horse I really think you should buy. And then you managed to somehow persuade him to get off that horse and ride yours. But that's not going to happen. I know. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's there's another option of Catterick um, a few days later. So he'll either go to Doncaster or Catterick. If Catterick gets nice ground, then we'll, we'll take Tiora to Catterick and Whispering Royal will go to Doncaster. Um, but if it's bottomless ground at Catterick, then I'm... It's just there's there's not that many races for them before Christmas, so it's just one of those things you have to just line up together and see the, make the best win. <laughs> yeah, I see. Tom Cannon's already been booked for Whispering Royal as well, the Gustav Klimt, um, having yes. made a, a hurdling yeah. debut already. But uh, presumably, Paddy's going to be on board for um, for Fergal. 
Yeah, yeah, I would think so, yeah. Okay, uh, interesting horse to watch going forward. Um, I'll find out more about Whispering Royal from you in a second. Uh, the last one I have is Mount Gay Run. Hasn't shown a whole lot so far. He's a Mount Nelson. He's running two bumpers. I just wonder if he's going to be an interesting handicap hurdler later in the season. Yeah, he's one of those horses that's probably not going to reach the high, heady heights of, um, you know, things like North Lodge, horses like North Lodge, Sacha that we've talking about before, spoken about before. But um, yeah, he's... He's an interesting one. He had almost a life-threatening injury um, two years ago. And hes it's amazing that he's actually turned out into a half-decent racehorse so far. Just to even be on a track for that horse is a, a pretty mean feat considering the injury he, he occurred a couple of years ago. So, yeah, he's probably one that's not going to be um, one of our stars, but, you know, he's probably going to compete at that lower level and we'll definitely win races with him. It's all about placing him in the right in the right races. And he, yeah, he ran two nice races in his bumper, in his bumpers. Um, but yeah, I've not got too much to say about him because <laughs> he's probably one that needs a bit of improvement <laughs> before we oh. uh, get excited. Or oh, just a tad. Just a tad little bit. I just thought he might be an interesting one to um, to highlight. Um, he just has the profile yeah, of a horse who, who could be able to win. He's Look, he's not going to be a Cheltenham Festival hero, but he might be able to win a, a decent handicap at some point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I just think he needs to... Um, he was a little bit green and a little bit keen in his last races, settle down, get some experience under his belt, run him a few more times in bumpers, go novice hurdling with him. And yeah, I think you're right. We'll, we'll definitely win a nice handicap with him at some stage, I'm sure. I know uh, Emma Spencer hosts one of the Racing Post shows and I think she was on the week of Royal Ascot and was just about managed to keep her feet on the ground and not have her head completely explode after the sensational 1-2 BHA uh, in the Royal Hunt Cup handicap for <laughs> Chelsea Thoroughbreds. Uh, Jimi Hendrix and Sonny Liston. Lee McKenzie and I were on air together on TalkSport 2 and Lee, being a commentator, just got a great kick out of Jimi Hendrix beat Sonny Liston and what the tabloids would do with those headlines, um, which, of course, they all had an absolute field day with it. But that, for you, to be the Chelsea Thoroughbreds manager, to have a 1-2 at Royal Ascot and one of the most prestigious handicaps there, that must have been a magical moment for you. Yeah, well, I can't take all the credit. Emma does, she mainly looks after the the flat arm. And then we have Richard Borkham, who kind of owns Chelsea Thoroughbreds and oversees it all. So I'm more jump size. So I can't take all the credit for the uh, the one, two. But take all the yeah, credit. Take all effort. the credit. Yeah. Take it all. <laughs> but no, it's a team effort. And uh, oh, I've, I've been at some amazing race days in my life. And I think that was one of that was definitely up there to not just only have a winner at Royal Ascot, but as a syndicate to have the one two with owners there from both sides celebrating like they we'd all won. It was just un unbelievable, such a magic day. And there was about 25 of us in the parade ring and the king came and c congratulated us. And it was just the most surreal thing I've probably ever been a part of. And yeah, it was it was just an amazing, phenomenal day. I remember covering this on TalkSport. He was only meant to be there for one day and he kept yeah. coming back. He came back for all five. He obviously loved it. Yeah. I mean, he was so, I didn't speak to him personally, but Emma and Richard did. And he was just so interested in the syndicate and how we got the name and how we started and the story of the syndicate. So, you know, it wasn't just a quick hello. It was a, a three or four minute conversation about, 
the syndicate and how we came about. And so, yeah, it's fantastic to see him supporting the game. I think it's so important. And I think, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's enjoying it the more and more he does it. Yeah. Cause obviously his mother was a huge supporter of racing. Um, and I, I think when the queen passed away, there was a real fear that that royal interest in racing was going to go. Maybe Camilla would support it, but actually having the head of the monarchy there probably wasn't going to happen. And suddenly he's turning up to all five days of Royal Ascot. I think that bodes very, very well. Did he buy any shares? <laughs> I'm sure Richard tried to sell him a few. <laughs> but no, uh, not yet. We've not got there just yet. Maybe one day. That would be some <laughs> crack if you managed to get the king into the syndicate. So how many people were involved in both horses? So we have about 10 owners in each horse. I mean, it does differ between about 10 and 12 is our range. So yeah, I think it was 10 and 10. So about 20 of us in total in the two horses. But that's that's kind of the way we like to do it is keep it small and intimate. So everyone in the syndicate kind of knows each other very well. We do a lot of social events throughout the year. And so it was fantastic that they could all celebrate together as friends. And they're not just, you know, random members that come from any part of the country. They're all kind of London based, have a love for racing and we try and get them all together and um, create a little network. So um, yeah, they, they just had the best day. And some of them had the uh, re the uh, reverse forecast. Oh, and, uh, nice. Safe to, say, safe to say, they didn't stay in England for too long after that day. <laughs> Land the reverse. 500 to one. 500 to one. Yeah. Jeez, somebody yeah. got it right off there. If Jeff Banks laid that, he wouldn't he will not have been happy. No, some somewhere yeah. William Woodhams was crying into a bottle of Moet after that it came off. Um how did your involvement come about with Chelsea Thoroughbreds? Um I just met Richard actually at the Grand National in the uh, Champagne Bar as you do. <laughs> and uh he's obviously very closely linked to Rich Ritchie. They work together at Pamela Gordon, so um at the investment bank. So uh he obviously he's a more of a flat racing man, but he loves his jump racing. Obviously he's really good friends with Rich, who's obviously a very prolific owner. And so that's how we met. We met at the Grand National meeting and um I was kind of looking I left university and went straight into tech sales in the city in London and I wasn't thoroughly enjoying that two years on and was looking for a way to get into racing and was spending all my time going racing, all my annual leave um, going, you know, to the races around the country. And so I was looking for a way to come in and Richard said they were looking for a new national hunt racing manager. And to me, that just like screamed a dream job. I really couldn't have asked for a, yeah, a better opportunity at that time. So I took it with both hands and that was kind of, I, I think I started with them November last year. So I'm trying to kind of really grow out the, the jumping side. Um, we've got three nice horses now and yeah, just trying to grow that because they've got about 15, 16 flat horses now. Um, so a nice team. And so I'm just trying to emulate that in the jumps. And what is your role involved? Because I imagine the logistics is fairly heavy, but what is your role involved in terms of running the national hunt side of things for Chelsea Thoroughbreds? Yeah, I mean, we do have a fantastic kind of accountant and without him, gosh, we would we would struggle because there is so much paperwork and admin involved in running a syndicate and he is fantastic. Um, so he does a large majority of the kind of heavy paperwork. But my role would be to try and find and source the horses. Um, and probably the most difficult part of my role is to find and sell all the shares. So 
Um, you know, we've got 10 to 12 shares in each horse. And my role is to fill the full of the fill all of those out, find the owners for them um, and basically get all, all 12 shares sold. Um, and so that means going racing, meeting as many people as I can, um, you know, taking owners owners out. I mean, that's obviously a lovely part of my job. But um, yeah, and going racing and keeping everyone updated. You know, we want to make sure we try and do like weekly updates at least. We do a lot of stable visits. And um, I'm also helping on a lot, a lot of the sides of like the uh, events and um, kind of social uh, events and marketing side. So one of our kind of new USPs and niches, I would say, as a syndicate is that we do run an awful lot of social events over the year. So whether that be on course or off course, um, you know, we have a busy calendar, busy social calendar and our owners love it. So that takes a lot of organisation as well. So, yeah, that kind of, I guess, is my full role for Chelsea and what I do. But the whole thing about syndicates, as long as you find a good one that's well-run by people that you can actually trust, which obviously we can trust yeah. you, Ella. And if we can't, we know where to find you. So that's going to be that's gonna be somewhere <laughs> when, somewhere on the orange mic at a race course in the UK. Ella McNeil can be found pretty handily. Um, but it is a, a terrific innovation, um, syndicates, as long as they're well-run and by people that you respect. That... Um, it is opening the door to allow more people to get involved in, in this game. And look, when I was interested in, in racing as a kid, I never dreamt, well, I would have dreamt about being a Premier League footballer, earning millions of pounds and owning a fleet of racehorses to compete with JP McManus. The old knee didn't hold up though, Ella. That's what stopped me from being the next Zinedine Zidane. Yeah, the Irish Zizou had a not in for the dodgy knee, or will we go with the back excuse, whichever one. But the fact that you can, the fact that you can actually buy shares in a racehorse and compete alongside the likes of JP, Rich Ritchie, and be in the winners' enclosure with them, and they will talk to you. That's one of the amazing things that this sport has to offer. We could go to Anfield, even if we have a press pass. You're not seeing Jurgen Klopp as much as I love Liverpool. You're not going to get to see Salah. We're very disconnected from them. But you can get yeah. to meet Paul Nichols. You can get to meet Nicky Henderson. You can get to meet Ryan Moore. He might even smile. There's so many great personalities in this sport and we get to be up close and personal with them. And the biggest attraction this sport has is the equine talent. So being able to be involved in a syndicate where it's more intimate because you've only got like 10 members per syndicate, like that seems like a very, very appealing thing. It's a lot of fun when you've got 50 people involved in it, but if it's just 10, there's something a little bit more special about that. Yeah, and we've tried it before. We've had 20 or 25 um, owners involved and that still works great and people love it. But our owners gave us the feedback as that they really love the small intimate group because they become friends and it's a great networking opportunity as well, not only just for in a racing sense, but also in a business sense, um, you know, all these people have done well for themselves and it's fantastic that they get to meet other people in that, have, you know, come from different walks of life and different backgrounds and not, you know, run come from different businesses or had different jobs in different spheres. And so I think that's another great thing about it is that you get to meet nine other or 10 other owners that are also fascinating people and have done fascinating things with their lives. So you don't just get the racing aspect, you also get the social and networking side of it. So it's kind of two, pro two prongs um, to to it. But I honestly think syndication is the way forward. I think whether it be, you know, in partnership 50-50 or, you know, 3,000 shares in a in a in a large uh, syndicate, you know, these mass syndicates, I also think have their place and are fantastic. So I think no matter what kind of level of syndication you get involved with or partnership, I think it really is the way forward. And as you say, it's so 
great that you get to get so close to these, you know, stars in our sports and you can go and speak with these champion trainers and champion jockeys, you know, any day of the week if you go to the race courses. So, um, yeah, I think that's something special that we should shout about. Yeah, there's some brilliant syndicates out there that are all really well run. Just do your due diligence. Check them out beforehand. You're okay with Ella. You're okay with Chelsea Thoroughbred, <laughs> Sam Hoskins ones. They're all perfect as well. Galaxy Horse Racing, of course. Shouldn't mention them too much, though. Those pesky swines taking Seddon off the McNeil family. How dare they? Um, but no, there's some great ones out there. And look, I, I do think it is the, the future of racing. I would very much agree with you on that as well. I think the fact that we began this podcast by you talking about how you spend big at the sales, but you are splitting that up and joining with other people. And that's the best way for you to do this. And you've accepted the fact that that's a good thing. And also you get to build even greater friendships and forge even greater friendships with those people you're running those racehorses with and the experiences that you're having together wins and losses are bringing you stronger together as well then being involved in major syndicate ownership where you're actually running a syndicate too that's probably what this is going to be that's the australian model that's what some people do in america as well and you are seeing more and more elite owners team up like this would have been the late great david johnson would have done this back in the day with a number of horses when he was with um Martin Pipe, then David, and then kind of moved over to Paul Nichols for a little bit. He never left David, but he was uh, heavily involved in the sport and started to buy horses in partnership. So Alex Ferguson doesn't buy racehorses on his own. Very rarely, it tends to be with Jed Mason and uh, the late, the late great Paul Barber uh, and a number of others. That's a model that I, I can see working really well because instead of buying one horse for a lot of money, you could buy five. Yeah, exactly. And it's a numbers game at the end of the day. And I think the, the more horses you have, the more chances you have of finding a superstar. And yeah, I think it's so exciting seeing these kind of big owners in their own right coming together and joining forces because the, the firepower behind that is pretty, pretty impressive. And as you say, Jed and Sir Alex, it's such a great and uh, iconic partnership and they've done so well. And obviously they had that big win in Bahrain not so long ago and some lovely jumps horses as well. And I think it's fantastic. I think, you know, the more that we get to team up with these people that at the end of the day, like we all do jump racing, it's it's owners have it for fun. We do it for a hobby. We don't run this as a as a money making business. So if we can team up with people like, you know, we've got a horse, uh, Mount Gay Run, actually, we own with Jed and Jed is just an absolute legend. And to have a horse with him is so exciting, even though he's probably not our most exciting horse we own, which is a bit of a shame, but we didn't have a superstar with Jed. But, you know. We've got to roll the dice and that's how it's, that's how it's turned out. But yeah, I think the more that we can partner up with people like him, the the, the better, I think. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. You've been incredibly kind with your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Is there any racehorse that I left off the list that I should have mentioned that is a shocking omission and people are yelling at their speakers and yelling at their screens? How could you not ask Ella about that horse, Kennedy? Hmm, I think... Let me just think. Um, three car brag we haven't mentioned. That's maybe a nice one to mention. Oh, how did I leave three car brag out of this? Um, so yeah, he's obviously in Ireland with Gordon. Um, ran really well uh, last season. He was fifth and now the Bartlett, and obviously that stacked up really well. Um, and Kay ran over his first time over fences um, last weekend, and just uh, yeah, beat beat by length I think to Corbett's Cross um, beat by the right horse in the day and I think that was it wasn't named in a, a grade one but it was you know the standard of that race was was almost as good as a grade one and you know Gordon Gordon thinks he's one of his best novice chasers going into the season and 
yeah, I think if we were to have horses going to the Cheltenham Festival, I'd hope he'd be, be in that group. What was the feeling after his run at Cheltenham? We were delighted. I just think we didn't quite get hit that ground on his that the ground on hit that day. Um, he he does want it to be you know soft um, testing ground, and he's never really got that when when he's needed it. And I think if it had been kind of really testing ground that day, then then maybe we would have been a bit closer. Um, but again, he's a horse that was never really going to shine over over hurdles. His He's made for to jump these fences, and the way he jumped like the other weekend, I was so impressed with. He was so nimble and so quick over his fences. Didn't lose any ground in the uh, in the air, and the way he quickened away from the fence is what I really like to see and what I was really impressed by. And so we go. I think we are going to the Grade One. I forget the name of it. The Neville Novice Hotels. Oh, the Four Heat yes. Novice Chase. Um, the Grade. It's the Novice Novice Chase at. Limerick on the 28th of December. Can't I? Oh, the name escapes me. Oh, I know what that race is and it's not coming to mind. Um, but yeah, the, that's, that's the Faheen, Yeah, it is. It's the Faheen. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, that's where he's going. The Faheen. Gosh, I didn't realise it was that one. I didn't realise he was going for that race and I didn't realise he's a 16 to one shot or at least he was until the final yeah, podcast posse so- found out. Now, to be fair, that's a deep race because there is a certain horse called Gaelic Warrior. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we'll have to see what happens. But um, in Ireland, you know, you're competing against all these top horses all the time and you can't shy away from them. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time, so I'm going to take up five minutes more. Uh, sorry, sorry Ella. You were so far out the door. You were almost gone. That, That's all right. I don't mind. The Guinness Faheen Novice Chase entries, two to one on Gaelic Warrior, six to one Corbett's Cross, seven to one American Mike, seven to one Founder 50. 10 to 1 Factophile, 12 to 1 Ilete Tomp, Classical Dream, Blood Destiny, Fasal Vega, I Know the Way You're Thinking, Three Card Brag, Embassy Gardens, Let's Be Clear About It, Manila Cocooner, Mr. Policeman, Spalance Tower, Grange Clare West, Sharjah, Dr. Bravo, Favwa de Chambeau is a 33 to 1 shot and he's going to win the National Hunt Chase. Imagine who goes for the Cotastar Novice Chase, Flanking Maneuver, Nick Rocket, who was behind Three Card Brag, Quilixios, St. Felician, Aspire Tower, Cool Survivor, Heartwood, Percival Legayas, Arctic Breslin, Lucid Dreams. My God, that's a deep race. Yeah, that's Ireland for you, isn't it? I doubt they'll all turn up, though, um, obviously. but um, some crack if they, every single one of them was to just imagine. rock up to this. That's phenomenal <laughs> we'll strength and depth. If that's a five-runner race, it's still going to be an elite race. Yeah, exactly. But that's what you get, isn't it, in Ireland? You get constant competitive races, and you know the top, the top dogs aren't afraid to take on each other. And I think that's good, because then you, you find out what you've got quickly. Yeah, I, that was why I was so glad to see Stay Away Faye and Giovinco clash the other day, because I think that's really important for British racing. You have to have the mm. the best of that particular group clashing in, in the UK. As William Kennedy was saying last week, too often they just don't want to take each other on. And then I, I have a theory, yeah. it is just a theory, that by the time they get to the Cheltenham Festival, they just don't have the street smarts. Whereas the Irish horses have been running in deeper races against better quality horses, they learn more, yeah. they know more, and they're probably a better quality of horse anyway. And then they go and to Cheltenham and blow them away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, um, no, I agree. It's also very good to know that Gordon rates three-card brag so highly. I, I had all eyes on Nick Rocket that day. I'm a little bit 
yeah. like a little bit of a thing for that horse and he might very well be Patrick's oh, yes. national hunt horse. That's all absolutely superb, Ella McNeil. I really appreciate your time, really appreciate your insight into the very exciting horses that you've got with the McNeil family and of course, Chelsea Thoroughbreds as well. If there is going to be another Royal Ascot 1-2 in 2024, who will lead it home? That is a very good question. We bought four lovely yearlings this year. And um, they're not currently named, so it's very difficult to uh, to, to tell be, you. That. It could be a tricky one, <laughs> to be fair. Um, I will have to get back to you in kind of three or four months' time when we've uh, we've we've had a good look at the yearlings. Obviously, they'll probably be not for this seat, not for this summer, the next summer. Um, I'm just trying to think. Or maybe a lovely horse called New Chelsea. So. Um, yeah, that's going to be my pick. Maybe not Royal Ascot, but I think she's probably the best. He's probably the best of the bunch from um, last year's yearlings. Um, by New Bay, lovely pedigree. He's uh, ran really well in the last couple of races and, um, yeah, hit the crossbar a few times. has been unlucky and I think is a horse that could do with some more time. So I'm not saying he's going to be a Royal Ascot, a Royal Ascot horse, but I think he'll do really well in his uh, three-year-old season. He sounds exciting. We're going to have to get you back on before Royal Ascot 2024. Finally, of all the horses who are going to run for the McNeil family over Christmas, who are you most confident and who are you most looking forward to seeing? Hmm. I have to say Thunder Rock, I think, this weekend. Um, Come on, Ella. That's the way to do it. I think, I think, I think everything's in his favour this weekend and yeah, I think he's his probably probably our best shot of the Christmas period, if you can count it as Christmas period. <laughs> Nichols, you've been called out. It's the Smackdown talk from Ella McNeil. She's coming to get you. Uh, Rio yeah, Conforto. Oh, yeah. We got, listen, we got the McNeil family. We got the McNeil family double this weekend. And the good news for you, Paul, is you get to train the other winner. So it's okay. You might lose the virgin bet, but you're going to win the three mile two handicap chase with 300 through five. Ella, thank you so much for oh, joining us. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck with Race Day TV, of course, with Chelsea Thoroughbreds and with the McNeil family horses for the rest of the season. Thanks so much for having me on. Sorry if I've waffled on a lot. <laughs> Not <laughs> at all. I've really loved and if anyone's going to go off on tangents on this show, it's me. So I'm delighted that you are here to join me on that as well. Uh, thank you very much for listening and indeed watching on YouTube. We are very new. I think, Ella, I think we doubled our subscribers on YouTube. I think we have 14 Ooh. now. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I think it might. Oh, wait. Push notification. We've got 15 subscribers on YouTube. Yay. Someday, <laughs> someday. We'll catch up with Josh and Andrew Blair White. Someday we'll catch the Let's Stop Breaking Racing Boys. I was told to do a YouTube channel years ago and was like, now, I have a face for radio. This is all audio. We have the deal with Spotify. Let's do that. And by the time I finally do it, those boys have got like 17,000 subscribers. So we'll, we'll catch them slowly but surely. Um, if you can hit the subscribe button, it's much appreciated. It all helps with the algorithm. Thank you for listening. We've got a weekend preview on the way. And of course, the weekend review with Katie Young and George Gorman. Until then, from Ella and myself, look after yourself and each other. God bless.